Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly, slash perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. Okay, everybody, let's get back again into Dracula with Lucy's, not Lucy's, good grief, Mina's diary. I'm going to have a sip of reading wine. Clearly, I need it. Mm. Oh, that is good stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm. Soon. Soon the election will be over. And then I can stop feeling panicky about politics. So, remember that offer that I made? If you've voted already, if you're going to vote after you hear this, Shoot me an email at michaelgwilliams at gmail.com. Tell me that you voted. Throw in a picture of your I voted sticker just to celebrate. You don't have to, but it'd be nice. And uh, I'll email you back a picture of my I voted sticker if it's after I voted. I have a day picked to vote early, uh, but early voting has not started as yet at the time that I'm recording this. So it's going to take me some time. Um, anyway, I'll send you a social distancing radio sticker. So. Let's get back to Lucy and her diary up in that graveyard in old Whitby. 1 August. I keep saying Lucy. I mean Mina. Okay. 1 August. I came up here an hour ago with Lucy and we had a most interesting talk with my old friend and the two others who always come and join him. He is evidently the Sir Oracle of them and I should think most must have been in his time a most dictatorial person. He will not admit anything and downfaces everybody. If he can't out-argue them, he bullies them, and then takes their silence for agreement with his views. Lucy was looking sweetly pretty in her white lawn frock. She has got a beautiful color since she has been here. I noticed that the old men did not lose any time in coming up and sitting near her when we sat down. She is so sweet with old people. I think they all fell in love with her on the spot. Even my old man succumbed and did not contradict her, but gave me double share instead. I got him on the subject of the legends, and he went off at once into a sort of sermon. And I must try to remember it and put it down. It'd be all full talk, lock, stock, and barrel. That's what it be, and nowt else. These bands and wafts and bogosts and bar guests and bogles and all in it, them is only fit to set bairns and dizzy women a belderin. They be note but air blebs. They and all grims and signs and warnings be all invented by parsons and illsome book bodies and railway touters to skeer and scunner halflings and to get folks to do something that they don't other incline to. It makes me ireful to think of them. Why, it's them that not content with printing lies on paper and preaching them out of pulpits does want to be cutting them on the tombstones. Look here all around you and whate'er ye will. 
All them steens holding up their heads as well as they can out of their pride is a cant. Simply, simply tumbling down with the weight of the lies wrote on them. Here lies the body, or sacred to the memory, wrote on all of them. And yet is nigh half of them there bent no bodies at all. And the memories of them bent care to pinch a snuff about, much less sacred. Lies all of them, nothing but lies of one kind or another. My God, but it'll be a queer, sorry, (laughs) sorry, reading this, wow, woof, should have read it first. Um, My God, but it'll be a queer scouterment at the day of judgment when they come tumbling up in their death sarks, all jumped up and trying to drag their tombstones with them to prove how good they was. Some of them trembling and dithering with their hands that dozened and slippy from lying in the sea that they can't even keep their grip of them. I could, I could see from the old fellow's self-satisfied air and the way in which he looked around for the pr- approval of his cronies that he was shoving off. So I put in a word to keep him going. Oh, Mr. Swales, you can't be serious. Surely these tombstones are not all wrong. Yablins! There may be a poorish few not wrong, saving where they make out the people too good. For there be folk that do think Bombole be like the sea, if only it be their own. The whole thing be only lies. Now look you here, you came here a stranger and you see this Kirkgarth? I nodded, for I thought it better to assent, though I did not quite understand his dialect. I knew it had something to do with the church. He went on. And you consate that all these steens be a boon folk that hap to hear snod and snog? I assented again. Then that be just where the lie comes in. Why, there be scores of these lay beds that be tomb as old Dunn's back a box on Friday night. He nudged one of his companions and they all laughed. And my gog, how could they be otherwise? Look at that one, the aftest abaft the beer bank. Read it. I went over and read... Edward Spencelaw, Master Mariner, murdered by pirates off the coast of Andres, April 1854, Eat 30. When I came back, Mr. Swales went on. Who brought him home, I wonder, to hap him here? Murdered off the coast of Andres. And you consated his body lay under? Why, well, I could name me a dozen whose bones lie in the Greenland seas above, he pointed northwards, or where the currents may have drifted them. There may be the steens around ye. Ye can, with your young eyes, read the small print of the lies from here. This Braithwaite Lowry. I knew his father lost in the lively off Greenland in twenty. Or Andrew Woodhouse drowned in the same seas in 1777. Or John Paxton drowned off Cape Farewell a year later. Or old John Rollins, whose grandfather sailed with me, drowned in the Gulf of Finland in fifty. Do you think that all these men will have to make a rush to Whitby when the trumpet sounds? I have me anthrums aboot it. I tell ye that when they got here, they'd be jommelin' and jostlin' one another that way that you'd be like a fight up on the ice in the old days, when we'd be at one another from daylight to dark and trying to tie up our cuts by the light of the aurora borealis. This was evidently local pleasantry, for the old man cackled over it, and his cronies joined in with gusto. But, I said, surely you are not quite correct, for you start on the assumption that all the poor people, or their spirits, will have to take their tombstones with them on the Day of Judgment. Do you think that will be really necessary? 
Well, what else be they tombstones for? Answer me that, miss. To please their relatives, I suppose. To please their relatives, you suppose? This, he said with intense scorn. How will it pleasure their relatives to know that lies is wrote over them and that everybody in the place knows that they be lies? He pointed to a stone at our feet, which had been laid down as a slab on which the seat was rested, close to the edge of the cliff. Read the lies on that Thruffstein, he said. The letters were upside down to me from where I sat, but Lucy was more opposite to them, so she leaned over and read. Sacred to the memory of George Cannon, who died in the hope of a glorious resurrection on July 29, 1873, falling from the rocks at Kettleness. This tomb was erected by his sorrowing mother to her dearly beloved son. He was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Really, Mr. Swells, I don't see anything very funny in that. She spoke her comment very gravely and somewhat severely. You don't see aught funny. Ha, ha. But that's because you don't gom the sorrowing mother was a hellcat that hated him because he was a scrooked. A regular lambiter he was, and he hated her so that he committed suicide in order that she mightn't get an insurance she put on his life. He blew nigh the top of his head off with an old musket that they had for scaring the crows with. Twarn't for crows then, for it brought the clerk, the Cleggs and Dalps to him. That's the way he fell off the rocks. And as to hopes of a glorious resurrection, I've often heard him say myself that he hoped he'd go to hell, for his mother was so pious that she'd be sure to go to heaven, and he didn't want to addle where she was. Now isn't that Steen at any rate? He hammered it with his stick as he spoke. A pack of lies. And what to make Gabrielle keckle when Geordie comes panting up the grease with the tombstone balanced on his hump and asks it to be took as evidence? I did not know what to say, but Lucy turned the conversation as she said, rising up, Oh, why did you tell us of this? It is my favorite seat, and I cannot leave it. And now I find I must go on sitting over the grave of a suicide. That won't harm ye, my pretty, and it may make poor Geordie glad some to have so trim a lass sitting on his lap. That won't hurt ye. Why, I've sat here off and on for nigh twenty years past, and it hasn't done me no harm. Don't ye fash about them as lies under ye, or that doesn't lie there either. It'll be time for ye to be getting scart when ye see the tombsteens all running away with, and the place as bare as a stubble field. There's the clock, and I must gang. My service to ye, ladies. And off he hobbled. Lucy and I sat a while, and it was all so beautiful before us that we took hands as we sat, and she told me all over again about Arthur and her coming marriage. That made me just a little heartsick, for I haven't heard from Jonathan for a whole month. The same day, I came up here alone, for I am very sad. There was no letter for me. I hope there cannot be anything the matter with Jonathan. The clock has just struck nine. I see the lights scattered all over the town, sometimes in rows where the streets are, and sometimes singly. They run right up the esk and die away in the curve of the valley. To my left, the view is cut off by a black line of roof of the old house next to the abbey. The sheep and lambs are bleeding in the fields away behind me, and there is a clatter of a donkey's hoofs up the paved road below. The band on the pier is playing a harsh waltz in good time, and further along the quay there is a Salvation Army meeting in a back street. Neither of the bands hears the other, but up here I hear and see them both. I wonder where Jonathan is, and if he is thinking of me. I wish he were here. Well, that seems like a good place to stop. I hope the sound ends up working out. I had to stop reading a couple of times as a leaf blower was going. 
but fingers crossed and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons Attribution License at ccmixter.org. <laughs>